Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. On this last Tuesday of 2021, I'm grateful you are listening and grateful you're here. You know, we are thinking about some of the notable content for your eyes and ears. Over the course of 2021, we've talked about dozens of podcasts on this show, from young adult fiction to music history to historical dramas. And throughout the year, we've given you suggestions on what to listen to on the treadmill, at work, in the car, in the background, inside your apartment. And now we'll narrow it down to some of the most notable of the year. I don't mean we don't. Our partners from New York Magazine did. Specifically, Vulture's Nick Kwa, who has selected some podcasts and episodes that really stood out to him, including insightful conversations, some stunning personal work, well-reported true crime, and a comedic sperm bank heist. Yes, you heard me right. Nick Kwa, Vulture podcast critic and founder of Hot Pod. He writes 1.5 Speed, a weekly newsletter of podcast recommendations. Nick, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure. So if you're thinking back on 2021, as one does, as we do, uh, how would you characterize the selection of podcasts released through 2021? Was one genre dominant? Did something lead the way? You know, you had something from everybody, actually. It's been actually a pretty wide open, spread out year. Not unlike how I feel like television played out this year. There was like no one clear winner. Um, but if you're looking, I mean, for whatever genre you're you're inclined towards, whether it's true crime or audio documentaries, or even, like this is a pretty big year for music documentaries as well. There's a lot of them that came out particularly through Spotify. Um, there's a strong candidate in every genre, um, but there are no winners, which is kind of makes for an exciting uh, year for a critic like myself because uh, I get to talk about what I like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Did any um, genre wane a bit? It's interesting. I think um, one could make the argument that true crime has sort of like normalized itself out. There's been there's a lot that came out in the genre this year. There's a couple of interesting projects, at least to me, that uh, try to sort of interrogate or like play with the formats and, and the conventions. But as a whole, like you kind of expect the sort of big breakout from the year to tend to come through that genre. Uh, but there's just, I mean, a lot of it just felt pretty standard this year, which is not necessarily means that it's waning, but it just feels a little bit more like, you know, we're in, in an off year. I, I suspect just hearing what's coming down the pike next year would be slightly different. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that at the end of the segment. Let's get to some of the uh, suggestions you have. And at number 10, I just want to say about this show, Suspect, damn you, Nick Kwa, I've been totally gone down the rabbit hole on Suspect <laughs> in the past <laughs> week. So Suspect takes on the unsolved murder of a young woman who was killed at a Halloween party at her Redmond, Washington apartment complex in 2008. You called Suspect a pure entry and the true crime podcast right. genre. What do you mean by that? Specifically, I call it the best pure entry, which is mm -hmm. to say, um, if you're looking for a, a true crime podcast that tries to interrogate what true crime is and whether it's useful society, et cetera, et cetera, this is not that. This is a very straightforward. We're a bunch of net magazine journalists turned audio producers, and we're going to like you know throw every trope in a book uh, at, at this at this case, and they do um, the. Bulk of suspect takes the form basically of a whodunit because of the uh, Halloween party uh, context in which the, the murder initially took place. Um, and it kind of then kind of progresses through each, you know, possible suspect, hence the name of the, of the podcast. Uh, and it, it does every piece of the trope and every piece of the genre very, very well. 
Um, it does strain a little bit by the end when it tries to kind of move away from the Houdanet framework towards a much larger meditation on the consequences of shoddy policing. Mm-hmm. But through and through, this has been, this is like probably the best like uh, police procedural thing that I can like, I can't recommend to anybody who likes the genre. Yeah, I was sort of surprised, something that I found a little bit surprising, and maybe I don't listen to enough true crime to know if this is a trope or not. At one point, the reporter really sort of turns the tables on the police and and yeah. just says, like, why yeah, did you exactly. do what you did? Because the, the officer did something not that smart. I don't want to give too much away. But I was. But he really just <laughs> straight not, up... Not enough people do that. Yeah, he <laughs> just straight up said it to him. It was wild. I was like, wow, this is this is interesting. <laughs> so that one is suspect. My guest is Nick Kwa, Vulture podcast critic and friend of the show, often gives us some great recommendations. Okay, number nine, we'll try to talk about um, in as clean terms as we can. We'll be very clinical about it. It's called Hot White Heist. Bo and Yang from SNL, hilarious, stars as Judy Fink in the series. Uh, he plays a New York City fortune teller, tarot teller, who's recruited by his estranged aunt to steal samples from a sperm bank that is full of the greatest thinkers right. and former presidents and the like. Uh, who, else is in the, <laughs> who else is in this cast? Let's start with the cast first. So the cast is vast. Um, it, it includes MJ Rodriguez, Shannon Woodward, Cynthia Nixon, I think you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Abby Jacobson, Alan Cummings. And it, it is, um, it's, it's a sprawling cast. It, it has, okay, so basically the pitch for the show is, imagine an audio series that's a heist flick, so Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, et cetera, that's also a comedy and stars a bunch of people you love on television. Like that is mm-hmm. what the show is. And like if, you know, if you have an audible subscription, it will be six hours of really, really, really good fun. Um, it is funny. It moves really, really quickly. And I think one of the things that really kind of jumps out at me is that this, this is a really like physical series. There's a lot of physical action that's being sort of either telegraphed, sound designed, communicated to you. And it, it, it all works, which is something I don't think I've quite picked up on before. Like, uh, uh, an audio series that is that like electrically physical. It's weird. <laughs> oh, well, let's take a listen to a clip. This is from an episode one of Kate, Judy's aunt, who's played by Cynthia Nixon, explaining how to get into the bunker containing the sperm of some of the world's great thinkers. Take a listen. First, let me tell you about the bunker. Deep underneath the Space Needle in Seattle, about five stories down, but who's counting, there's a secret government bunker. You've never heard of it because it's a secret. That's how secrets work. To get into the bunker, first you have to convince Space Needle security that you have access to a special elevator. The elevator doesn't work unless you enter a 16-digit password and pass a facial scan. The facial scanner is a bit out of date, but the password is case-sensitive. Once you're out of the access elevator, almost 100 feet underground, the real fun begins. Space Needle security is just day players. Regular schlubs collecting a paycheck, but the folks guarding the bunker are legit. Highly trained paramilitary professionals contracted from a rotating selection of militias that make Black Cube look like Blue Man Group. If you manage to sneak past the guards or somehow fake clearance to get into the bunker itself, they've got a dynamic laser field running 24-7 hooked up to a backup generator with three, count them, three levels of redundancy. So you can't just cut the power. Pass the grid, 
There's just one thing between you and cold storage, but it's a doozy. A clean that's, room. That's hot white heist. So I'm curious, you know, Nick, what do you make of all of these podcasts, a spate of podcasts with these, you know, bold face name celebrity casts? We had, I think, Rosamund Pike. We didn't Rosamund Pike on, but we talked about Edith, about Edith Wharton, not no, Edith Wharton, Edith Wilson, <laughs> who was some people think was the first <laughs> president, female president of the United States. Um, yeah, only on this show would I confuse Edith Wilson with Edith Wharton. Anyway, um, so what do you think about this spate of celebrity podcast? Uh, by the way, Edith is also really good. It's a really it good fi- uh, fiction podcast. I really enjoy that. Um, I, you know, so you get a bit of the good with a bit of bad. This is the thing that um, was going to happen. Everybody kind of expected it to happen that uh, as podcasting grows more popular, it has a bigger audience, it's making a little bit more money, uh, there, is, there will be sort of incentive for the larger Hollywood system and, and you know, actors and actresses and celebrities at large to try to, way to buy into the system and participate in this, in this field and maybe... Uh, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get good, you know, shows and products as a result. And if we're, if we're less lucky, we'll get vanity projects. And, you know, it's been a pretty big year in terms of celebrity-led uh, podcasts. Uh, there's, you know, there's been a lot of them. There were already a lot in 2020, 2019. 2021, we'll kind of wash of it. I, I see this as like, you know, you kind of have to get through the basic stuff to get through the really interesting stuff. And I think we're beginning to turn the corner to see some genuinely interesting projects from that involve uh, people who would usually you know, take up jobs in film and television instead. Like, uh, audio provides them an opportunity to uh, work a little bit more quickly. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to come into the advantage of some people who want to who want to get across to uh, another following or to get projects with the ground really quickly. I'm speaking with Nick Kwa, Vulture's podcast critic. We're talking about some of the notable podcasts of 2021, ones that Nick liked very much. Time to Say Goodbye is on your list. What's a, What's Time to Say Goodbye? Yeah, so uh, this one I'm going to preface by saying this is this is for me. It's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's an independent uh, political roundtable podcast. Basically, uh, you know, three uh, people conversations, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, by two journalists and an academic, uh, Tammy Kim, Jay Catherine Kang, and Du Liu. Um, and the subjects that they usually sort of foreground and put into the center of their conversations are issues that pertain to Asians in America, and they do so in a way that leans into sort of the really hard, tricky. Sensitive questions that I, you know, I would argue doesn't really quite get enough time in general sort of quote unquote mainstream media. Um, they often kind of provoke around the idea of Asian America. Is that a thing that exists? How do we think about it? Who gets to define it? Who's, who's advancing the conversation? And they, you know, they constantly poke from a very like, um, trying to, you know, to provoke a more complex discussion about race in America in the sense that but it's not just you know black and white. It's not just uh, you know access towards greater representation in media. It's not. It it has to do with material concerns with generations that overlap and mm. uh, do not have the same incentives. And getting into the mix of really parsing through the what it means to have that much of a of a sort of a spaghetti bowl of incentive structures. That that is something that I think the show does very very well. Um, and another thing that this show represents to me and why I put it on this list, I, I wanted to sort of con- uh, advance the argument that. Podcasts don't have to sound super clean or crisply edited or highly produced or whatever to be like meaningful or great. Part of the promise of podcasting is that more people get to make stuff, more angles and more perspectives come in. And even if it sounds grungier, that could be a great thing as well. It's okay if you're shaggy around the edges. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That is time to say goodbye. All right, let's talk about story time with Seth Rogen from Earwolf. Um, it's Seth Rogen collaborates with Richard Parks III, invites guests to recount stories. So what kind of stories do listeners hear? 
Right. So hearkening back to earlier when we were talking about celebrities coming in and making podcasts, this is, I think, the first podcast project from a celebrity that feels genuinely like somebody really, really cares mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they're going to like, you know, push, put the entire weight of their creative mind and their, their, their networks to bear on this, on this medium. So the stories that, you know, Severgan brings his guests on to tell, basically ask them, like, tell something that was sort of really, tell me a good story. Like, it could be something big, it could be something small, something that's meaningful for your life, just, just go for it. And what Rogan does with the show is that he collaborates with this producer, Richard Park III, who, by the way, makes an excellent indie series called Richard's Famous Foods. Um, <laughs> and both of them collaborate to explode the uh, story. They, he takes it, and no matter how basic it is or no matter how dramatic it is, they, they work to you know, judge up the sound design into a, a, a cinematic, elaborate experience, uh, basically kind of taking <laughs> every component of a story and, and exaggerating, it, exaggerating it a thousandfold. And um, I think what, what is really interesting to me about this practice is that it kind of internalizes the idea that, like, for every, but every story has massive stakes for the person telling the story, no matter how small it is. And uh, that is at the center of what they're trying to do with this, with the pod, this podcast. And it's, it's super fun. It's dripping with just creativity and joy. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of, it's, it's really enthusiastic. And it's kind of, that's kind of what you want from something like this. Let's take a listen. This is a clip from an episode titled Glorious Bastards. In this episode, Seth asked comedian actress Quinta Brunson about how she became interested in comedy. There's a phrase I'm reminded of. When someone asks you, how can I learn to be funny? The answer is the same way you can learn to be tall. You can't. Comedians are are born. They're not made. You just are funny or you're not funny. And Quinta was funny when she was barely out of diapers she was already making people laugh i remember when she was in a car seat this is quinta's sister Ngia. so when you're in a car seat you're under four or five years old we used to watch and live in color and martin and those type of shows and quinta she's the baby of five so whatever we watched she had to watch and she soaked it all in whether we knew it or not she was soaking it all in And so we'd be in the car and we'd be like, Quinta, do Wanda. And she just snap right in the character. She just like, she'd do the face and everything. Like she'd do the protocol lips out and stuff. She'd be like, oh my goodness. Like, and she would do it just like Jamie Foxx did it. Like as a baby sitting up in her car seat. I would do that line and my siblings would crack up. And I was like, okay, I'm doing something right. Attention. This is good. But. As hilarious as her Wanda impression was, it was frowned upon by the Jehovah's Witnesses, which by the time Quinta was in high school, she had already started to drift from. Also, you know what, Nick? His voice is so recognizable. It immediately takes you Absolutely. somewhere. Right? You know where you're, go- you're going to go on a trip with Seth Rogen. Uh, that one is called Storytime with Seth Rogen. Let's talk about anything for Selena. I think it was at number three on your list. It's a nine-episode series released in English and in Spanish. Revisits the legacy of Selena, the late Tejano music legend. This is a story a lot of people know. What's different about this podcast? Yeah, so uh, Anything for Selena, which is produced by uh, the Boston Public Radio Station, WBR, and Futura Studios, um, what makes this different is that uh, Maria Garcia, who hosts the show, uh, who, who writes it, and who, who basically kind of structured and created the whole thing uh, with, with her team, uh, it's a hybrid memoir and documentary. So, so on the one hand, you have this component where 
you know, the series follows Garcia as she does like the tracing Serena's arc, her biography, the, the sort of rise, uh, and and you know her tragic her tragic end. Um, but the other component is the, the memoir piece where she she kind of uses it as a vessel to understand the ways in which she as a person uh, is was formed by Selena in the pop culture sphere. Now, uh, I'll show my cards here. Just you know, I tend to be the sort of person who believes that there are like severe limits to the political importance of like arguing for a more diverse representation in media. But with anything to Selena, like she really foregrounds what we actually do gain from that effort. That when you have more forms, more more kinds of people that's being refracted to you through uh, pop culture, through uh, you know major media sources, you have more means to to form your your personality, to form your identity, to form your psyche. And and you know her. Garcia's ability to communicate that and to you know write in a way and to, and to unpack the ways in which she was formed by it, uh, she was emotionally sculpted by it. it was, it's, it's a really beautiful piece, and it's it's also I think one of the things that really speaks to me about uh, about a couple of shows that came out this year, which is she collapses the distance between uh, her emotion and the listener's ear, and so mm. everything that you kind of like hear when she said when she when she kind of writes a line, uh, weaves it with sound design, layers music over it you kind of do feel like the sort of emotional ebbs and flows that she's going through. And I think that is something that I, that is, that really sort of stuck with me, even though I don't think for Selena came out at a very top of this year. Uh, and it's been a very long year. Uh, I still think about the show every couple of days. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely production. Number two, you had the Ezra Klein show. And at number one, something called ACCAST, which is all about <laughs> putting the Kathy cartoon in context. Can you tell us about it in one minute? Right. So uh, basically, this this is uh, a show that, that says justice for Kathy. So ActCast is the third solo audio project from Jamie Loftus. She's a multi-talented comedian, writer, journalist, podcaster. Um, so on the one hand, she does this reclamation project. Having She has gone through every Kathy comic strip, dug through the research. And she's with this show, she's trying to place the comic strip in its context, nothing an argument that the, the comic was a nuanced reflection of its creator, Kathy Geisweitz, uh, the way that she navigated the se- several feminisms of her lifetime. These days we think about Kathy, or lots of people think about mm-hmm. Kathy as a punchline, but Blossett kind of argues, like, you know, do not, like, disrespect the project here. Like, this was a person working through something that was sort of moving and shifting during her time. And Loftus, being a millennial like myself, is, connects with that in, in a sort of really interesting and uh, thoughtful, insightful ways. I will also sort of say that I know that this is kind of a strange pick for my best top podcast of the year. It's my, it's my yeah. you know, top podcast. I, I love it. My argument is that nobody sounds as creatively liberated as Jamie Loftus, who, who leads uh, the show. She breaks all sorts of production rules to get at the most important thing, which is yeah. to get her worldview across. And that is super fun. It's called ActCast. Nick Kwa from Vulture, thank you so much for sharing your list, Nick. Thank you so much. Have a great, Hi. great rest of your year. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.